We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Good afternoon. You are tuned in and listening to the Woman to Woman show with myself, Roisin Leclerc. A huge thank you, as always, to my colleague, Don Devlin. And it's a beautiful, sunny spring afternoon. It appears to be the sunshine before the beast from the east, if weather reports are correct. We have a packed show for you today. Later on in the programme, I will be speaking to Karen Kernan, CEO of One Family Island. Recently, the One Family um, Island and nine national organisations have formed an alliance called National One Pack. One Parent Family Alliance. Karen Kernan will be on, on t- with us telling us about this alliance. I'll also be chatting to Karen Kylie from Karen's Bookshop, Kilkenny's only locally owned bookshop here in the city centre. And we'll be talking about all the popular books and what's all going um, popular out there and what everybody is looking for. But before that, bedtime stories are really important for children more and more these days. And more and more reports are telling us that children are finding the lockdown's very, very hard. For all you mummies and daddies and <coughs> grannies and granddads and not forgetting aunties and uncles out there, there is nothing nicer than reading your young family members' bedtime stories. Recently, Can Kylie from Kang's Bookshops, Kilkenny's only locally owned bookshop in James Street, just off the High Street, told me about a new bedtime storybook, which is new in her book, and it's an Irish book by a, a new Irish author. And on the phone to tell us all about The Elephant on the Farm, children's bedtime story, and his debut book, is Brendan McDonald. Brendan, you're very welcome to the Woman to Woman Show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Brendan, this is a new book that you've just published and you, you it is your debut book and it's about the elephant on the farm. Can you tell us a bit about the book? It's a really heartwarming and it's a really uplifting story. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, it's, as you say, my debut children's book. Uh, so I wrote it in lockdown last year and I've gone about the self-publishing route and self-publishing it just before Christmas and bringing it to market. So the book is basically about Edward the Elephant who uh, finds himself on a farm and kind of feeling a little bit lonely and sad and what he's trying to do is basically find himself a little bit but little does he know that Olive the Owl is up in the beams in the shed and looking down at him. So Olive eventually comes down, flies down to him one day and asks him, is he okay? And she basically coaxes him along to say hello and uh, see how he is. And then she coaxes him out onto the farm. So they go out into the farm eventually anyway after much coaxing. And they have a little look around the farm at some of the other animals. And Edward, being from the zoo, gets a little bit confused. And uh, he looks at some of the other animals, I suppose. And he gets confused between, uh, without giving them all away, but he gets confused with... um, a llama and he confuses the llama for a giraffe because they both both got long necks right. and then he uh, he confuses a cow with a zebra because they're both uh, black and white one is stripy and one is uh, one is the stripes are gone a little bit runny as he says so he goes and looks at some of the other animals and um, sees how he gets on and he's kind of navigating around the farm with all of them and then there's a bit of a drama and uh, I suppose Edward saves the day uh, with uh, a bit of drama and then they have a, a, a farm meeting 
of all the animals uh, and the other animals take Edward in as, as one of their own so it's a story of friendship tolerance diversity and inclusion I suppose just shows that uh, no matter who you are no matter what your tribe is you'll always find your tribe and uh, you know people are kind and, and animals are kind and different things so it's a, got a lovely lovely message um, especially for young kids that they can always find their tribe and um, you know at they will be included and, and equally uh, that other people should act in a, a kind and inclusive manner. It's a really, really lovely story and the wise old arrow sort of coming in and saving and, and really embracing the new the new member of the farm into, uh, and introducing them to everybody. The, That's right. The wise old arrow, owl as well. So, Brandon, I'm curious because we don't want to give too much of the of way of the book because we want really people to see the surprise and the, the joy of it all. Um, what inspired you to write a book? And this is your first book and it's your debut book. So what inspired you to actually decide that you're going to write a children's bedtime storybook? Yeah, so I suppose it, it all started about three years ago when uh, I was on, ho- on holidays up the country with some university friends and some of their kids actually just there were pets we were looking for something to do one Saturday afternoon we were waiting for, uh, for an Ireland rugby match as it happens <laughs> and uh, one of them asked me to tell her a story and I just sat down one of my, my friends uh, he, he said oh, sure look you, you've loads of stories you, you grew up in a farm you must have a story there she can tell so I started just messing and telling her a story about being out on the farm and the tractors and different things and she looked kind of bored so I just threw in I don't know where it came from but I just said uh, uh, randomly I said and there was an elephant on the farm and that just sprung her into life because there was, you know, she was saying, there couldn't be an elephant on a farm. How could there be an elephant on a farm? And I said, well, there's an elephant on my farm. And I suppose I, I was telling her then about the farm that I grew up on uh, just in South Leash, just near Carlow Town. And uh, how we had all the different animals and the tractors and, you know, the different bits of farm machinery and, and how uh, the different animals got on and what they did and all that kind of thing. So it got me kind of thinking after that maybe I could write a, a bedtime story. And I suppose at that time... I've a, a number of nieces and nephews and I'd be telling them little stories and, uh, you know, reading them a story before bedtime as well. So I kind of thought, you know, this would be nice and easy now and I can I can maybe do one of these books and sure to be grand. So I actually set about um, looking into it and I did a course with the Curtis Brown Creative um, Institute, Institute over in London. So I did an online course in January 2019. And then I suppose that kind of stopped my curiosity for a little while in that I'd done the course and I, I was just putting a few bits of pen to paper but then lockdown hit last year and I suppose I was looking around for something to do and to, to occupy myself so obviously the, the book came back into my head and I said look I'll give it a go and I'll sit down and uh, see can I, can I write it so I wrote a first draft and thinking I was great and uh, I, I ran it by a few people, a couple of sisters and all, and a few friends, um, all who who have kids, obviously, and who would be reading a lot, a lot of bedtime stories. I suppose I got some very direct and very uh, succinct feedback from my group. We're all very uh, honest with each other. So I got some very honest feedback, and that helped me actually change the book a little bit. So, for example, I did a little round table with some of my nieces and nephews one day, <laughs> and I said... Uh, I said, uh, I started off, and I, the first line of the book is, there once was an elephant who lived on a farm. Um, and my niece put up her hand as if we were in school, and she said, what was the elephant's name? And I said, well, he doesn't have a name. And she looked so disappointed that I actually ended up 
changing the format and changing the book to include names. So we've Edward the Elephant and we've Olive the Owl, with Daisy the Cow, and we've a few more in as well that you'll see when when you pick up a copy. So I, and having to do that then because the book is a rhyming style, I was trying to get everything to rhyme. Obviously, it had to change a lot of the drafts had to change. Uh, because I had to get the rhyming style in with the names and all that kind of thing as well. So it was it was very much an eye opener and took a lot longer than I thought in, than initially, because to get a rhyming style in you know 24 pages under 500 words where the story flows and there is a story with a kind of beginning, middle, and an end is actually a lot more difficult than I thought. So a lot, lot more effort had to go into the book um, than I thought, but it was a, definitely a very enjoyable experience because it's it's something that, you know, I, I'll have forever in the first instance, but to set the challenge of actually doing it uh, during lockdown and, and getting to that stage where you have a first draft. And I suppose then um, the next thing was to find an illustrator and then obviously going about self-publishing. I love the illustrations. Thank you very much. I yeah. really do. So the illustrator uh, is a guy called Martin Beckett, and Martin is based in Donegal, which is brilliant because he's Irish-based, uh, and I love that. And I, I suppose I had it kind of in my head that I would like to to produce the book in Ireland as well. Uh, so I found Martin on illustratorsireland.ie, and I just contacted him. Obviously, you know, I'd gotten in contact with somebody else. He'd done some work before, and he was very professional. So we ended up signing a contract and uh, getting into working on that back last maybe. September, October time. So the first thing you have to do is obviously to try and draw the the initial characters. The two main characters are the elephant, Edward the elephant, and the owl being Olive. So we have to figure out the kind of style we wanted on them. So I'd sent a lot of notes to Martin, and you know, on kind of what I saw in the different scenes and what we can include. And then he was very good at telling me, you know, whether the scenes were too busy or just too much going on, or there's not enough maybe in some other scenes that we we have enough going on in the scenes that we we have and this is the lovely feedback that i've been receiving from people that they, you know children are pointing to the different animals and the different farm implements and the different pieces of, of the jigsaw i suppose and they're able to point to them and say what they are and obviously the illustrations really help that so martin was able to get to a point where he had um, a final draft done and then he was able to thankfully he was able to actually do the layout of the book as well. So I kind of got two uh, two birds at one stone when I found him. So I was really, really lucky to find them. So then we, we set about um, getting a printer. And again, I wanted to print in Ireland because I think, you know, there's a huge push to support Irish mm. um, produce and support Irish artists and support Irish businesses. So I did a lot of uh, research on that. And I eventually came up... Um, with modern printers who are actually in Kilkenny as well, which I believe uh, yes. are just uh, down the road from you guys in Kilkenny, uh, just off the ring road. And I've been working with them, obviously, on producing the product. So we were able to get a, a draft finalised and then produce this absolutely beautiful book, which they've produced. It's, it's even, you know, beyond my expectations because it's just when you actually see the book and the look and feel of it, it's just really, really good quality. Um, so a, a lot of people had said to me, would I not think about you know printing it in Eastern Europe or Taiwan or Malaysia, where a lot of books seem to be printed? I, I suppose I could have done that, and it probably would have been cheaper. But are you then, I suppose, you know, the quality of the, the final product mightn't be as good. And it certainly, um, from what I see at home in my nieces and nephews' libraries, 
um, it's definitely it's it's as good if not better than than most of them. So it's a really really nice product, and the front cover is really really you know it pops on the shelf as well. So then we set about uh, we set about finalising everything, and uh, I, I actually thought that I wouldn't get to publish it till January, but we actually uh, received the books on just before Christmas on I think it was Friday the 11th of uh, December. So I threw up a tweet and one tweet and one Facebook post, just my own personally, because obviously I hadn't got them out to bookshops at this stage. And it just took off. It absolutely took off. I think we sold 94 books in the first couple of hours, just uh, just from one tweet and one Facebook post. So we've sold obviously uh, loads more since, and we've had a couple of bookshops contact us. And uh, obviously with lockdown now, it's a lot more difficult. Um, but I hope when lockdown ends, we'll be able to get out and about into bookshops a lot more and um, but it is online and it is in a number of bookshops including uh, canned books obviously in in Kilkenny which is it's fantastic so yeah it's, it's really taken off and I was very lucky uh, a couple of weeks ago the Farmer's Journal actually did a full page on uh, the book and on the story behind it and I've been on um, various other different shows and podcasts over the last couple of weeks so I'm hoping to ramp up that in the next couple of months as well and just really showcase because I suppose that the, the other thing which we have mentioned is 20% of the proceeds the net proceeds of the book are going to be donated to Crumlin Children's Hospital and the reason for that is the book is dedicated to my godson uh, Tommy and he a couple of years ago ended up in Crumlin for a Aww. week and uh, you know the, the family we couldn't figure out I suppose, what was wrong with him we, he'd gone around to different places and different uh, doctors and consultants and eventually they fixed him and they found what was wrong with him and it was just uh, you know the rules changed a couple of things his diet and a few different things and like a new child so I suppose we as a family are very thankful to Crumlin Children's Hospital for all the brilliant work they do and you know not forgetting obviously the other hospitals around the country a couple of uh, sister-in-laws and minor nurses in Port Leash at General Hospital um, and you know it's absolutely amazing what they do so I said I would partner with them and we um, you know it was, they were delighted to hear us that somebody else was, was doing the other children's book as well so we have their logo on the back and obviously we'll be uh, donating 20% of the proceeds after after the cost so we're um yeah, we're up and running, and that that uh, certainly is a, a real, I suppose, um, motivator for me as well to get the message out there about Crumlin Children's Hospital and the foundation, and obviously then the lovely stories that it is. And you know, I've been getting some, such lovely feedback from people that their their kids are quoting lines of the book to them, and they want to actually read it night after night, which I think is the validation yes. for any author or any children's book kids want to actually read it again and again and I think that was what that was one of the things that resonated with me when I when I said about um, writing the story that it was accessible for as many kids as possible and that the message was you know subtle but there yes. and that it was a bit of fun so yeah I, I think uh, I think it is is um, it's really blown me away I suppose the the um, the response and, and the, the lovely comments I've been getting from people. So, so yes, yeah, so it's been really, really good. Well, Brendan, you, as you said that you grew up on a farm, but you also went and studied li- uh, law in Limerick. And I then, did. Yeah, and then you went and you, uh, in t- 2012, you joined the um, IDA Ireland. I did. And now you are the Regional Development Officer in the South East. So you're kept very busy. That's right, yeah, no, absolutely very busy. And I suppose I, I, I you know, Education in Ireland is, is so fantastic because it's 
it's so inexpensive when you look at other yes. places around the world. And I know people won't won't agree with me. When and I'm not saying that flippantly that it's inexpensive, but if, if you look at the states where you know you could pay fifty thousand dollars a year to go to college, we're, exactly. we're relatively lucky in Ireland. And um, so I was very lucky to be able to go to university in Limerick and do a degree in law and European studies, and then obviously do my studies as a solicitor. And uh, so I worked in in Kildare for a number of years, and then moved in house. In 2012, into IDA into our property division. So, yeah, no, it's very, very interesting, interesting role, and definitely had an interesting career so far. So, and um, this is the next string to the bow. And you, you, you talk about your nieces and nephews, and they really saw that when you think you had a roundtable discussion with them, and they were included in, say, even in the feedback. They must be very proud of you, uh, Brendan. Yeah, they're delighted with themselves because we actually the pictures that we were able to use for the Farmers Journal. Uh, is a picture of myself, uh, my dad, uh, and my nephew, my nephew Tommy, as well as all my other nieces and nephews, been around holding a copy of the book at uh, beside of Matthew Ferguson out on uh, Grandad's farm. So everyone was very excited about that, Aww. and they were able to tell their little friends in school that they were they were famous, as one of them said. So uh, they're all very very um, delighted with that. Well, Brendan, uh, have you any new books that you're thinking of putting pen to paper in the near future? Yeah, absolutely. So I have two uh, in mind, and one is more or less written, and this, the other one uh, is uh, is in the offing as well. So the next, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and turn this into a bit of a series. Uh, the next one in this series is going to be called Giraffe in the Trees, and it's actually based in Glendalough in Wicklow. And the giraffe is going to be up in the trees uh, overlooking the, uh, the round tower and down at the lake, and he's going to be seen... Uh, how he get, we're going to see how he gets on in the trees. And uh, then the, the third book is uh, totally different, but it's um, more aimed at the slightly younger kids again, um, and it's called The Sheep Who Couldn't Sleep. <laughs> and that's about a little sheep who loses her teddy, and uh, she goes through her mind all the places she's been in the last while to try and see, can she find her teddy? and uh, she'll find the teddy in the end and that'll help her go to sleep and that's a direct reference to uh, one of my brother's houses where uh, my little nephew <laughs> for years he had a bunny and he, he was forever losing the bunny and I think that, that resonates with a lot of families because yeah. the, the you know teddy or bunny or whoever uh, can uh, can go missing and trying to ask a three year old or a two year old where they left teddy or bunny can be challenging sometimes so we actually were at one point in our family we were thinking of putting the tracking device <laughs> in some of the teddy bears because it was just the teddy bear could have been out in the farm or it could have been in the garage or anywhere so uh, that's just the story with that well I think that yeah, definitely resonates well. with a lot of families here with the with the children's favourite toys <laughs> yeah no absolutely so hopefully uh, the aim I suppose is to have three books on the shelves come Christmas oh uh, right so, brilliant yeah so that would be a big task but um Look, I didn't think I'd, I'd get the first one out so quickly in the end, um, but certainly a, a big learning curve to, to self-publish, and um, you know, it's it's one that that's been a very interesting journey, and uh, I hope to do a, a blog on it as well to maybe help other people who are looking to self-publish because I had to learn so much, even about different things like the barcode that goes in the back of the book, or how even the spine of the book has to look if you uh, if you're looking to put it into a bookshop and all that kind of stuff. So. Super, super interesting. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. So, so maybe you on. might come on someday and, and talk to us and tell us and give people advice on another programme as well with that. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love that. Love to. And maybe you'll keep us updated on all on the developments of your uh, forthcoming books before Christmas. Well, of course. I'd be delighted to. And Brandon, just before we go, the Woman to Woman show here, we've bought a book oh, and we're nice. going to donate it to the Amber Woman's Refuge. Oh, thank you very much. Thank and you so very much. We're going to do that, yes. And uh, we'll put it up on our Facebook page and everything else. And I just think it's a lovely story. And uh, I'd be delighted to actually promote any more books that you have going forward. And, and maybe we'll get you on the Stamp Me Up business programme talking and giving advice to people, as what you said, in publishing books. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Brendan McDonald, author of Elephant of Farm, thank you so much indeed. You're very welcome. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. Don't forget, you can call or text us right into studio on 086-353-7782 and our text line is sponsored by TaxFact.com. The one parent family island have, uh, have, have, I'm going to start again, Karen Kernan of the CEO of One Family Island is on the line and One Family Islands is a national organisation for one parent families who work with all types and all members of one parent families respecting the realities of family life to affect a positive change and, archi- and achieve equality and social inclusion for all one-parent families in Ireland. Recently, the one-parent family Ireland and nine national organisations have formed an alliance called National One-Parent Family Alliance. The alliance was established in 2020 and Karen Kernan, you are here on the line to tell us all about this. Thank you so much for coming on the Woman to Woman show again. Well, it's great to be on and we really appreciate your interest in the issues affecting people who are parenting on their own and sharing parenting. It's really important. And it's even more uh, sort of a topical um, issue now, especially during the lockdown. Yeah, each lockdown has been tough, but it is getting harder and harder for people who are parents. Really, really tough then for people who are parenting on their own. The kind of problems that people had last year trying to balance you know, work with childcare, um, you know, that's gotten harder. People have run out of maybe leave or goodwill. Um, we're seeing more people struggling. And it, it's hard to see. And I suppose we, we really support the idea of trying to get children back into schools when it's safe because it, it gives them support, it gives parents support. Um, and we know that a lot of people are struggling financially. They're struggling because they're lonely or isolated or because maybe there's conflicts going on in their family. Um, and that's hard when you're locked in. Yes, especially with the family dyma- dynamics and especially everybody sort of all keeping to their own, their own households. But even more so, there's a lot of women who are parenting alone working in the front line as well. Yeah, that's what we're seeing all the time is that, um, and we know that a lot of people, a lot of people who are lone parents are in precarious low paid employment. So a lot of them have lost their jobs. But a lot of them are essential retail workers, childcare workers, nurses, doctors, you know, people who are out there every day um, doing essential jobs. So it's really difficult for them to try and have their children minded and to try and maintain safety. I mean, there was a really interesting um, article in one of the papers the other day, um, a single mother of twins and neighbours of hers offered to mind her children because she was an essential healthcare worker. 
which was an amazing thing to do because she just couldn't see how she could keep her job and keep her children safe. So people have stepped up and been extraordinarily kind and we've seen that in Ireland over the last year. Um, but so as this goes on, people have less ability and less resources to keep going. Um, so yeah, we, we have, I suppose as, a, as an alliance, as nine national organisations concerned about people living in one parent families, we've been trying to get some um, support in that will really help those children and parents uh, not get left behind in this really this time of crisis. And Karen, you are the CEO of the uh, One Family Ireland, but you are also the chair of the newly established National One Parent Family Alliance. Could you tell our listeners what is the alliance and what will you do? Yeah, so what ha- starts to happen during COVID, lots of organisations that work with families, you know, we saw that with older people, um, you know, organisations working with children, um, and a-, a lot of us who work with one parent families saw that really there were particular issues happening for people who were parenting on their own that were really difficult. So we saw a massive issue around access issues, where could could the parent, the child doesn't live with get to see the children, um, concerns around letting children go between two homes, all that kind of thing. We saw child maintenance, you know, payments just fall off a cliff for many families. We saw people um, not allowed to shop if, with their children, and that was particularly difficult for people parenting on their own. So what we did was, as, as organisations, we came together and we're like, okay, what are you hearing? What you know, and we we came up and kind of synthesized these are the problems that we're hearing about for families. Let's come up with some solutions and go to the different government departments, and that worked really well. And a lot of the departments really tried to meet the needs of people and and make sure that that people weren't left behind and put in place um, uh, just specific measures and supports. Um, including even naming the fact that parents had to be allowed in shops and the, the, a common sense approach was needed. So that's what we've been doing um, and we're, we're continuing to do that. And I suppose what we've realised is that the most poor children in Ireland unfortunately live in one parent families and there's longer term issues that we can work together on and that's what we're going to keep doing. Yes, and the uh, Minister of the Social Protection, they have agreed to um, help out too. In some sense so, or form, with the yeah, um, heating, I mean, double heating fuel allowance. Um, that they've actually done that. Um, that was one of the things we asked yes. for. Yes. And um, so we're not aware that that has happened. Well, maybe um, my mistake. So you, yeah. you've asked for that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because I was there thinking, whoops, should I know that? Yes. Um, no, so, um, no, you have me, written. Yes, I've got it now. Yeah, you have written met, in, in uh, we, my highlighting on my page. It's too okay, dark. Okay. Sorry, apologies. You have no, written to crazy. the uh, Minister of Social, uh, of Social Protection requesting that double fuel allowance for January and February. Yeah, we did for low-income households, so for any low-income household. And um, we actually met with Minister Heather Humphreys this morning and we had a very productive meeting. And I suppose we were able to look back at the many supports that they put in place for um, people parenting alone over the last year, including people who can get the PUP payment um, if they don't have access to childcare, for example, which was really helpful. And then we talked through some of the things we're concerned about, like fuel poverty, um, and also um, additional targeted payments for families with older children um, and the fact that mortgage interest 
um, supplement needs to be reintroduced because people on rent allowance is getting support at the moment, but not people pay, trying to pay mortgages of, out of COVID, sorry, out of the COVID pub payment. So we, we talked through a lot of things um, and um, we're, we're kind of waiting to see what things are going to happen, but we certainly didn't get everything that we wanted. Um, but it was good to meet the department and we have to follow up with a lot of information back to them. And we also got to meet Minister Roderick O'Gorman two weeks ago and we were talking to him about the national childcare schemes and some problems that are there for um, children living in one-parent families and their parents and also about the parents' leave scheme. So we're, we're trying to cover a whole range um, of issues and, and ministers have been meeting us and that's good. And could you tell us what... Uh, who are the nine agencies involved in this alliance? Yeah, so there's ourselves, One Family. So we are the national organisation for one-parent families and we provide a lot of support, family support services to people living in one-parent families. Um, and we were joined very early on by St Vincent Paul. Um, they, uh, most of the, the work they do, in fact, are with one-parent families and they see them struggling um, day in, day out around the country. Um, the National Women's Council, for Focus Ireland, Bernardo's and the Children's Rights Alliance all joined, as well as SPARC, which is um, an activist group, single parents, um, uh, single parents, I've forgotten their full name, but anyway, they're, they're, they're a peer support um, group for single parents and they're great. So, so that's, that's who we are. And so there's quite a range of issues there from housing to children um, to unmarried parents poverty really and we all can see that um, there, are, there are lots of challenges uh, for people parenting on their own and these have been exacerbated because of COVID and we're just trying to work together to, to bring about um, some, some, some positive things and, and you know we have had an impact over the last year yes. um, you know which is really good but there's a lot more to do obviously. And, you know, the, this alliance was established in 2020. So it, you probably were in ongoing talks before 2020. So what was the, the pivotal moment that you decided, right, we need to join a force? COVID. You know, pretty early on in COVID, um, a few of us were chatting to each other and going, this, this is just really bad. We're just seeing a lot of these problems pile up. And that's when we started having meetings and then other organisations heard about it and wanted to join. And that's what we've done. So it's worked really well um, and really we, 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 we share resources and we share um, examples of what's coming up in our organisations and we share data and policy analysis and it just means that we can be more effective and it also means that if we're going to meet government or policy makers they can meet one group, you know, they can meet um, nine of us somewhat at the same time um, which is also helpful to them. So it's, it's just being much more impactful. And I think when we met the minister today, they were able to say that through the some of the efforts that we um, made last year, uh, you know, they made some changes like summer school meals. You know, we worked on trying to make sure that happened. Um, some of the issues around child maintenance, they just, you know, they were much more flexible about that. Um, the same with rent supplements for women who, or men who've experienced domestic violence. Yes. There's a pilot scheme on that. So there's lots of things they've done in response to what we've been looking for and we appreciate that. Yes, that was, uh, uh, and also uh, former Minister Regina Doherty, she put through um, the, 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 what was it, the emergency payment 
just before she left office, she put in through the um, the rent supplement with anybody who was fleeing domestic violence that they could have a rent supplement for three months. So that was a yes. good. That was very good, especially for uh, domestic violence or any woman fleeing or seeking refuge. That's really important to have that peace of mind, isn't it? Yeah, and what they told us today is that's still in place, although the pilot scheme was coming to an end. But they're reviewing it, and there was a small number of people actually needed it, but it was extremely helpful to those who needed it. So hopefully the department will continue that, um, that, that flexibility and that service in place. And really what they were doing was they weren't means testing it. They were saying, okay, if you're in an emergency situation where you've had to leave your home, we're going to give you rent supplement for three months and then we'll review it. So that seems to have worked pretty well, but they're going to meet um, the specialist organisations working in that area as well to see how that's been going. Oh, well, like you are doing such tremendous work, Karen, uh, everybody at uh, One Family and now with this new alliance because it's very badly needed because it was needed for a voice for, for single parents parenting alone. It was so much needed. Yeah, and I suppose for us, we're, we're a family support organisation. We have very little resources to be doing policy work, so it's great to be able to collaborate with other people in the sector and for us to be able to prove what we're doing together. Um, and, and and help each other. It, it's the way it should be, you know, um, and, and we're really happy to do that. And COVID, in fact, you know, there's been so many, so many hard things and tragedies associated with COVID. It has given us the ability to collaborate much more quickly um, and for government departments to be more responsive more quickly. And, and that's a good outcome. Um, but at this point, I think everyone's exhausted and people yes. want their life to get back to normal. And we look forward to that too. And I suppose one of the challenges is trying to make sure that a lot of lone parents haven't lost their jobs and they haven't ended up in debt through this time and they haven't been left behind. So that's what we're trying to, to focus on and make sure that that doesn't happen. And it was one of the important things that we heard today from the Minister and the Department of Social Protection, so just to say it, is that people who are on uh, the pub payment and may get into financial difficulties that they can approach the department and look for help through supplementary welfare allowance. Um, and that may be able to help them with uh, one-off expenses. So, so that's good to hear. Um, yes. And apparently they're writing to all the public recipients about that, but just to, to share that today. Well, you know, you know, I would like to thank you for as as a former, well, I still am a single parent, parenting alone, but mine are grown up adults now, 29, 24, stops. it never <laughs> stops, <laughs> you know, and you always, because I know exactly the, the, the fear, the worry, the stress, the anxiety and the loneliness when you go in at night and you close the door and you just think of everything, the pressure is just on you. Mm, yeah, and I suppose just to let people know that one family has a national helpline yes we have a website we have facebook group you know that people we really hope that people aren't feeling terribly isolated and alone because we know what it's like and we're there at the end of the phone to listen and to support and we have services that are available by telephone and on zoom so please do get in touch with one family if you do feel like you would like some support or connection with other people who are also um, going through a similar experience with you, we do understand. Well, would you like to give out your helpline or, or any even... Yes, that would be great. That would be great, yes. Yeah, so the website um, is onefamily.ie if anyone wants to have a look. Um, people can contact us by email on info at onefamily.ie or they can phone us. The Dublin number is 01 662 9212 
or our local number. Depends what package you're on, you see. Sometimes it doesn't help yes. to have a local number. But that is 1890 um, and if people even email in, they will get a call back. It might take a couple of days. The health plan is very busy, but we will come back to you. So please don't feel like you're alone. Um, we are there, and there are other organisations, and there are a lot of local organisations as well that are there to help. Family Resource Centres in Kilkenny. There's also One Parent Family Network in Kilkenny that's in the process of setting up. So there are, there are things going on. Yes, and, you know, it's good to know for, you know, many, even grandparents and parents of children who may be parenting alone, to know that there is an, a national organisation like you that they could contact where they won't feel alone or overwhelmed with the responsibility or worry, that you can even connect them to the relative uh, resources and people. Yeah, and we, we absolutely will provide support to grandparents, step-parents, um, mum, dad, you know, whoever might be affected in a one-parent family were there for them. Well, Karen Kernan, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the Woman to Woman show. And if you have any more um, information or anything, you, a message that you want us to get out there to the public, please do get in touch with us. Many thanks. Uh, good care. You too. Have a, and stay well and stay safe, Karen. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. That was Karen Kernan, the CEO of uh, One, Fa- One Family. And uh, after the break, we'll be talking to Karen Kylie, coming up and talking about all the books out there for the young children and for us adults. So do stay tuned. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Uh, you're very welcome back to the Start Me Up, uh, to the Woman to Woman, I'm getting mixed up today, to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. And on the line now, we have Karen Kylie from Karen's Bookshops. Karen, you're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Roisin. Oh, it's our I pleasure. I all is going well with you all. We are indeed. I hope you're keeping well and safe as well. We are indeed. We are indeed. Can uh, as, as uh, our listeners heard at the very beginning of the show, we interviewed uh, Brenda McDonald, the uh, new author of the Elephant on the Farm book. Now I have to say I've read it to my daughter to my daughter last week. Now my daughter's hit and miss. She either loves something or has no interest. Yes. And she's six years of age, and we absolutely loved it. So we did. We loved the illustrations, beautifully illustrated. In fact, she printed here in Kilkenny by Martin Printer. Yes. So it is. It's beautifully illustrated. It's fun, and it also shows how it also shows there's an owl who always looks after the elephant, and how how really important it is always to have somebody looking out for you in life. Oh, we all need that, don't we? We really, really do. And I liked the way they were able to able to adapt. Like he looked at the cow, and he thought the cow was a zebra, and then he suddenly realised, no, he's a cow, and how everybody was all able to integrate together. Yes. And it's fun, and the, the, actual, the illustrations in it are lovely. Yes. Lovely, lovely book. Well, the Woman to Woman show, we're sourcing one off you, and we are uh, donating it to the Amber Women's Refuge. Oh, it's a beautiful book. They'll really love it, so they will. And farming at the moment, all with the pandemic, I think there's been a big um, pushback to nature. And yes. I definitely think that this book is on trend with that feeling. I think so too because everybody just wants to get back to nature and really just take in the, the you know go out for walks and just get back to basics absolutely and, and some of us are realising how lucky we are oh definitely 
Definitely. And Karen, you know, children, young children are not sleeping. And as we said all through the program, that, you know, COVID is now affecting an awful lot of cheap and uh, children harder and harder. So reading is very beneficial for children because it really connects children with their imagination, doesn't it? And their creativity. Like reading is no different for for children than it is for adults. It's wonderful for the, it develops their absolutely does a wonderful job in their vocabulary. It develops their vocabulary, and as you said, develops their imagination. But also, if you can deal with issues with children, now it's funny you mentioned the sleeping issue because it's in the last few days that this has come to fore. You see, I'm on the phones every day, rushing rushing to the customer, so I know I can judge how things are going in the pandemic almost. So so I can and. This week particularly. So what I have here is a little three-euro book. It's an absolutely beautiful book. And it's called Kiss Goodnight, Sam. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's absolutely beautiful. It's by Walker, one of the most recognised children's books. And it is... is, I have... I I actually had some um, at home in storage. But um, I've had to root it out now. And it's an absolutely beautiful book. And I certainly, certainly think it's beginning... It's the beginning of hopefully dealing with the issue. I just think the children are very unsettled and they're missing their friends and they're they're just missing their routine and what they know. Yes. And you know what too, it's missing the routine because they're not interacting with their friends or building up them interpersonal skills. Yeah, or fighting with their friends or whatever else they do. They do and they're only seeing their circle is very limited as well. Yes. And they don't really fully understand about the COVID. Yes. They, They... they kind of speak about it and then they, they realise it's something kind of serious but they don't fully understand the implications of it. Yeah. And you're also saying that, you know, there's another new, new book out there that what boys like, even boys who don't like to read, oh Dogman. Oh my God. Now, Dogman is like a cult in can books. That's <laughs> oh, the only way I could describe Dogman, right? Dogman, boys and girls like Dogman but particularly boys and he has a sense of humour. Now, my own godchild, he was tired of me sending him books. I sent him Dogman. He sent me, he rang me up and said, you finally got it right. <laughs> now, we have a new book called Bunny vs. Monkey by Jamie Smart, and it is for all Dogman fans. So it is. Well, I actually think that sound, even, even the title sounds uh, lovely, because everybody loves bunny rabbits and everybody loves donkeys, and I'd love to yeah. know what mischief they get up to. Exactly, and it's one of the best children's comics of all time, and it's beautifully illustrated. Right. The parents will be glad to know there's a few more words than Dogman, so there is. Um, but it's but it's very very like Dogman, very colourful and funny. It's boys just love humour; they really do. And Karen, you know what are girls reading? Girls are reading. They're reading a mixture of things now. I mean, if we were if we were the girls are. Girls are much easier to sell to than boys. So they are. But the girls are reading... I mean, the big series that we're selling here at the moment is... Mallory Towers has made a massive comeback. So it has. And that's because it was on Netflix. Yes. So it has. Uh, the Murder Most Unladylike series, which is very like... Which is very like Agatha Christie. But again, we have... What we would do with a popular series like that, we would have four or five other books that are very similar to it. Right. So... so um, so we would, we would also, with all, now when I'm reading with my son at the moment, he's reading one page and I'm reading the other and I thought my son would find the book too hard to read, but we're really enjoying it. He's actually Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. 
We're absolutely loving it. What's that again? Percy Jackson? Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Right. So it is. And I'm amazed how much we're loving it. And it's about a half blood. So it is. And it's, and it's, and it's, also, it's also based on, on Greek mythology and whatever. And I'm really loving it. Oh, I love anything with Greek mythology. I love yeah. all that. Now, I believe it's due for a big, ne- a big Netflix uh, release soon. Right. So I do, but, yeah, but I have to say I'm really loving it. Now, girls can read that as well. So they can. Now, what the customers want at the moment, though, is serious as a book. They want you to recommend a book that they like, but, they, but they'll say to you now, how many is in, the, in that series? And you have them all, so if they like them, I can, ring, I can ring in and order them. Yes. That's what the customers want. And can, you know, I think too, the series of books, they can just go and collect the books and that would keep them happy maybe even for a couple of weeks or a week, exactly. depending on, on if they're an average reader or not. Yeah, if they're average readers or not, absolutely. But this is a wonderful opportunity to say, my son, seriously, stroke is reading. And I mean, I mean, never did I think we'd be sitting down watching, reading Percy Jackson together and enjoying it so much. And I have to say, it's probably, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be something positive that I will look back on the lockdown. Yes. Because it's something that with, with reading with your children, it's a really good way to bond with your children. Even if you have a really good bond with children, it's just really good quality time. Really, really good quality time, so it is. And I'm learning things as well, and he's telling me things about these great gods and, and all of this and half-bloods and whatever. It's really interesting. Well, I remember when I was at school, I, when I was living in Africa, I went to an American uh, school, and we learned all about Greek mythology, and I loved it. So, Karen, what are women, what are grown-ups and women reading? And I know recently we had Claudia, uh, Claudia Finn on. She's the journalist with the Irish Examiner. And she, uh, she has, you have her books through oh, her we eyes. Have her book and we absolutely love the most beautifully illustrated book, so it is. And, they, no, I mean, it's about 20 Irish women, so it is, and is. And these were really, these were pioneering women. Yes. And, and it's actually 21 of them all in together. But she, what I love about Clara is, see, I always love, I'm a very visual person, but she actually, um, as she starts on, 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 on the particular women, she has a portrait of these women. And I love that. Yes. Because it gives you, it just gives me the idea. Now, the, the, the girls that I was most interested in were the Overend sisters. Now, they lived in Airfield House in Dundrum, which is now, well, which would have been, which, which was open to the public. So it was. And um, actually, my mother myself went to the auction and my mother bought a beautiful piece of furniture and it's, it's actually a locker. And I've always asked my mother, my mother, um, that she would leave it to me because I absolutely loved it. It's about, it really is one of, the, one of the most beautiful pieces of furniture. And I so much remember going to the auction, looking at the furniture. And when I was reading Clodagh's book, it all came back to my memory. And these women were farmers, they were charity workers, and they also loved, loved motorcycles, or motor cars. So they did. And, they were, and also it deals with the Brown family, who be very well known in Westport. And they have only sold their, their estate in the last couple of years. Right. And it's, yeah. It's now turned into a hotel, so it is. It's the Carrie Don family, Hughes now, who, who bought it. Yeah, Claudia, I think she'll be coming on in a couple of weeks' time and she'll be talking about that the book as well. Karen. Oh, it's a fabulous book and yeah. it's really interesting. And so, it's actually beautiful. It's beautifully presented. 
Oh, I just love it. And and if anybody's listening, if they're on Twitter, Claudia Finn is on Twitter, and she she actually tweets about um, women women in Irish history who are forgotten. So if you're on Twitter, uh, follow Claudia Claudia uh, Finn. So every day she puts up great um, inspirational Irish women in history. Now, and you said as well, we've got a couple of minutes left. Uh, can you said a lot of people are looking for feel good books? Feel good, good books. So they are now. Of course, Valentine's is coming up. So the one that came to mind for me was Bridget and the Duke and I. I mean, I, I just binge watched it on Netflix, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, so I watched I it too. I watched it. I and it loved was the costumes. Yes, the and dresses. It's so handsome. Oh, I know. And the, and the two scallywags. Oh, I just <laughs> loved. <laughs> and one of the girls who's in that is also in Dairy Girls as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I loved it. Now, yeah. another series, which we showed a lot of, but this is a series that's become very popular again, and it is the Seven Sister series by Lucinda Riley. Now, I absolutely love this series. So it is, there's six books in total in it, and there's lots of meat in this book, and it's basically about five girls who were adopted by a multimillionaire. Oh. So it is. And it's really, really, really interesting. So it is. It's really, really interesting. And each book tells about their life. Well, so well, can will you keep us up to date because we're running out of time, and I have to give out the prize for the Purple Cloud uh, prize. But stay on the line while I do that. Um, I just want you'll keep us up to date um, with any new developments in books or reading or anything that we need to know. Of course, we will. And thank you so much for having for having me on. No, and people can uh, get in touch with you uh, uh, through your. Um, to phoning you or through you, how can they get in touch with you if they oh, want they to order can, books? At the moment, we are on the lines here at the moment, Monday to Friday, 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And our phone number is 05677-56708. And also the mobile is 087-910-5677. And you're on Facebook and Twitter yeah. and now, Instagram. we cannot come to the shop at no. the moment. So we offer a click and collect, we offer a... a a delivery service, and we also offer posters. Well, can Kylie just stay on the line where I give out a lucky final uh, person who has won the Purple Cloud uh, wonderful prize is Judy O'Sullivan from Kells Road. So um, you're very welcome. That will go to you. We'll pass on your phone number to um, Purple Cloud, uh, Judy Sullivan. And thank you so much. Can Kylie, as always, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to hear you on the radio. On the woman to woman show, and keep up the good work. And you Thank keep you. up the good work and, and keeping everybody motivated in the towns in the oh local traders. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you. take care. Bye. And that was Karen Kylie. I we're coming to the end of the show. Stay tuned for uh, Nolan, who will be coming up with Kilkenny today. I would like to thank my guests is Brandon McDonald, the author of The Elephant and the Farm, and to Karen Kernan from One Family, and to uh, Kilkenny's very own. Um, Karen Cardi. So, thank you very much and stay well and stay safe and stay tuned for Anne Nolan who is coming up next. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.